in Parashas Vayigash, when Yosef reveals himself to his brothers, they're nervous about him, they're, they're, they're feeling guilty about what they've done. He reassures them, he tells them, I am Yosef, you sold me to Mitzrayim, don't, don't be sad, don't be upset that you sold me here. It, it worked out. It, it, it turned out for the best. Hashem sent me before you to provide for you. It's still, there's still a time of famine. There are still two more years where the famine is going to continue. I'm sorry, it, it's only two years into the famine. Five more years, there won't be any agricultural work. Hashem sent me here to be, to, to be able to provide for the family. And again, he reiterates, You didn't do this. Hashem did it. And I'm in a very good position. I'm a counselor of Paro and master over his whole household. I rule over the whole Egypt. It all worked out very well. It all worked out according to Hashem's plan. So don't, uh, don't be consumed with guilt over what you've done. The end of Parshish Vayechi. Next week's parasha, Yosef reiterates this point. This is at the very end of the parasha, the very end of Chumash Bereshis. After, after Yaakov dies, the brothers are worried that now that Yaakov is dead, Yosef may take revenge against them. So they plead with him to, to forgive them. And Yosef says, don't worry, Altiro, ki am I instead of Hashem? Am I in the place of God? It's true that you intended ill. When you sold me, you had malevolent intentions. But again, Elokim God intended it for the good. In order that I should be able to, able to, uh, able, able, able to uh, provide for everyone. So Yosef was reassuring his brothers in this week's parsha, next week's parsha. You might feel bad because you tried to harm me. You sold me. You had bad intentions. But it was all part of Hashem's plan. Even though you intended it, you intended me harm, but Hashem made it work out well. I'm actually in a very good position. It's good for me. It's good for the whole family. It's, it's all part of Hashem's plan, and therefore, don't worry. The Arachayim HaKadosh, Arachayim Ibn Atar, on next week's parsha, on the Pasuk, Atem Chashavtem, you, you intended ill, but Alkim Chashavala Tova, the Arachayim says, Vareza Dome, this, this is similar, the analogy is, Someone intended to poison his friend by giving him a glass of poison. Turned out he actually gave him wine. Wholesome, healthy wine. Delicious wine. He has no culpability. Similarly, the brothers are putter, they're exempt, they're innocent, even even in a moral sense, beyond what the court can enforce. Potter and Zakai, they have no moral culpability. Now, the Archaim's claim that Yosef was saying that, 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 that according to the Torah, this is something that, that the person has no culpability for, seems to be contradicted by a famous Gemara. The Gemara is in Masechus Nazir, Masechus Kedushin. The Mishnah says that if a woman made a vow of Nazirus, a nedra of Nazirus, and then she violated it. She drank wine and became tame, which another is not allowed to do. So uh, she gets naver. Let's say the husband is mefer her neder. There's a special halacha besides a regular atarah and daram that we can all do 
a married woman, her husband can be made for the nether. He can just unilaterally annul her nether. There are, there are rules, there are limitations to that, but in, but in many cases, he can simply declare that the nether is null and void. So let's say he did so. Unlike a Taras and Dharm, where the person has to present himself before the basin, Hafaras and Dharm is unilateral. The husband can do it, doesn't have to tell her. The husband can just declare her nether null and void. So let's say he was Mayfair her Naziris. Naziris is a kind of nether. The husband can be Mayfair. And she didn't know that. As far as she knew, she was still a Nazir. And she nevertheless gave in to temptation. She drank wine. She became tame. Turned out uh, the, the Naziris was, had already been annulled. What happens then? She doesn't get Malchus. Anus of Egesetzarbarim, the mission says. Because <coughs> at the end of the day, she, didn't, <coughs> she did not actually violate an Edra of Naziris. Rabbi Yehuda says, even though she doesn't get the Malchus that one gets for transgressing a, a, a prohibition, nevertheless, Tisbuk Malchus Mardus, she still is... She still is flogged by the Bastin for doing something wrong. And the Gemara, the Gemara sharpens the formulation of this. The Gemara says, the Pasuk says about a woman whose husband is Mayfair, her, 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 her neder, Isha Haferam, her husband was Mayfair, annulled her nedarim, Hashem Yislachla. May Hashem give her atonement. The Gemara says, what are we talking about? Why does she need atonement? If the husband was Mayfair, it. There's no neder left, so then why did she need any kind of kapara, slicha? She did nothing wrong. The Gemara says, Bryce says, we're talking about a woman who didn't know her husband was made for it. She intended to transgress her naziris. Turned out it wasn't a transgression, there was no naziris. Nevertheless, she needs kapara and slicha. The Gemara goes on, when Rikiva got to this pasuk and made this inference, he said he would, he would weep. He said, you see how strict the Baruch Hu is? Even, even someone who only intended to sin and didn't actually sin <coughs> needs kapar and slicha. Certainly, if someone intended to sin and did sin, just imagine what a terrible, a terrible thing that must be. Alachas kama v'kama. Rabbi Kiva saw in this a lesson about how strict the divine judgment is. The second Kedushin, the Gemara has a somewhat more uh, salacious application of this case, of this rule. Talks about a certain Chacham, Rechia Barashi, he was, whenever he would pray, when he would say Takhna, when he would fall on his face, he would say, May Hashem save me from Yetzir Harat, May Hashem save me from sexual temptation. His wife was puzzled. She said, he, he doesn't have, apparently, a very high libido. He, he, he's not intimate with me anymore. So what is he worried about? What, 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 what does he really think is going to happen to him? So she decided to investigate further. Um, one day he was learning. She adorned herself, she made herself up, she looked very alluring, and she passed by. She, she thrust herself into his field of vision. He asked her, who are you? He didn't recognize her, I guess she had made herself up in an unusual way, in a more, more uh, alluring way than she usually looked. She said, I am Harusa, a name of a famous, a famous prostitute. I'm, 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 my, my, my name, I'm Harusa, and I'm coming back for my day's work. So he propositioned her. So he gave in to temptation, and he was intimate with her. When he got home, his wife was lighting a fire in the oven, and he went into the oven. He tried to kill himself. She asked him, why are you doing this? He said, this is what happened. I'm, I'm, I'm so humiliated. I did such a terrible thing. I was with a prostitute, and I, my life was just, I can't go on like this. She said, no, no, it was me. It wasn't, uh, you, you did nothing wrong. So he didn't believe her. He didn't listen to her until she proved it until she proved it. So he told her, okay, so uh, I'm glad it was you, but, but still, I intended to do an Esser. 
even if it wasn't actually an Isser, I intended to do an Isser. So for the rest of his life, he, he, he could not uh, make, make peace with himself. He would fast for the rest of his life until he died. In the course of all his privations, he died. And that was the end of the story. And the, not have a happy ending. And the Gemara says, again, this is based on this price, that it says, We're not talking about a woman who actually violated a, an existing nadir. That's Pashat. We're talking about the, a woman who the husband was made for the nadir. That's what it says. The, 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 and still she needs a kapara. Because if it's Kavin Lechel, Basar Chazir, a person intends to do an Avera, even though it was turned out to be Basar Tle, it was not an Avera, there is uh, a person still needs a kapara. It's still an Avera. By definition, if a person intends to sin, that itself is a sin, regardless of what the objective reality turns out to be. So the Akronim point out, this seems to be against the Archaim. The Archaim says you intend to poison your friend. Yosef's brothers intended to harm him by selling him into slavery. You gave your friend wine. Yosef ended up on top in a very good position. Archaim says no harm, no foul. At the end of the day, the, objectively, there was nothing wrong. Therefore, there's no kapara. Gemara seems to say there is. Gemara seems to say that you need a kapara for doing what you think is a sin, even if it turns out that everything was okay at the end. And the truth is, other Akronim, commenting on the story of Mechiras Yosef, other Akronim indeed say that the brothers did need a kapara for what they did. Not like the Arachayim. The brothers did indeed uh, have, have, a, have the stain of sin that has to be expiated. Famous idea in the Sefer Nezer HaKodesh, brought by later Akronim. He says, it says when, when Rabbi Akiva learned this, Rabbi Akiva cried. Why specifically Rabbi Akiva? So he says... Rabbi Kiva was famously one of the Asara Haruge Malchus, one of the ten martyrs who were killed by the Romans. And he was a reincarnation of the Asara Shvatim. But the point was, the, the Roman himself, this is, the, this is the, the story we recite, different versions, both on Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur, Arze Halavanon and the Ela Eskara, with the... I'm not sure it's Arze Halavanon, Ela Eskara, the, the, the story of the Asara Haruge Malchus. And the... The, the, the way the story starts is that, is that the Roman the Roman asked them to teach him to teach, to, to, to learn Torah with the Romans at, the Romans at, the Roman emperor asked the Chachamim to uh, to, to teach him Torah and and and, 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 when, and and when they got to the pasuk of uh, he asked them what's the halacha if someone kidnaps someone and sells him and they say it's uh, and they say and they said it's chayav misa it's a capital offense they said well they, he said well your brothers. Uh, your, your, your ancestors, so, so Arzelavan, right? This is one of them, and Elaeskara. The your your ancestors sold sold Yosef, and if they would be alive, I would punish them. But I, you would be the basin, I would judge them. They're not alive, so you're going to be the proxy. I'm going to punish you, <clears throat> and that was his excuse for for horribly murdering and torturing to death Sarhuruge uh, Malchus. Obviously, the Roman was uh, was a twisted, evil individual. But nevertheless, there are some Mepharshim like this, like this uh, Nezer HaKodesh who understand that what he said was ultimately correct. They were actually, they were actually being punished for the sin of Mechiras Yosef, even, even though they were, they were not the ones who sinned. We've discussed that in the past, the whole idea of collective punishment, of punishing descendants for ancestors. Not our topic right now. But nevertheless, the way the Nezer HaKodesh explains, the brothers, <coughs> Yosef's brothers were guilty, even though it, it all worked out for the best. Yosef said, "You atem chashav kim l'rav, elakim chashav l'tova." But nevertheless, it was like neskavin lechol b'sar chazir, b'olabiyad b'sar tle. You need a kapara. 
That's why when Rekiva got to this drasha, uh, he became depressed. He wept because he said, oh, I see that, uh, that, that, that people are punished even if, they, uh, even if they only intend to sin, even though he focused on the halachas kalam if you do sin. But according to the Nazareth Kodesh, the reason Rekiva was particularly struck by this was because he realized that he was guilty of this, or the, his aunt, he was a Gilgal of the Shvatim, the Sarah Shvatim were guilty of this. They intended to sin. Even though Yosef tried to reassure them, it's okay, because at the end of the day, he, he was not harmed. Nevertheless, they require kapara and slicha, not like the, not like the Arachayim. And this is what other Akronim say as well. And the, okay, so the Arachayim is problematic, the Arachayim is hard to understand. How can he claim that someone who intends to harm his friend but turns out that he didn't, doesn't need kapara and slicha, isn't that directly contradicted by the Talmudic rule that someone who intends to eat chazer, even though he wound up eating kosher, he wound up eating tzleh, he is still not chayv. So, brief interlude before we get to some answers to this question. One interesting discussion about the, the application of this rule comes up in a Gemara in Kedushin. The Gemara says that Ravuna, Ravuna wanted to test his son to see if he had proper respect for him, if he had control over his, over his uh, emotions. So as a test, he would, the father of Huna would tear silk garments in the presence of his son. He said, let me see if my son gets upset. This is his, this is his patrimony. This is what he stands to inherit. Let me see if he'll get mad because I'm destroying, I'm, I'm engaging in wanton destruction and destroying property that that's, uh, he may inherit someday. So let me see what he does. We're not actually told, I think, whether he passed or failed the test. But the Gemara has a cash. The Gemara says, how can he do that? Obviously, he wasn't sure if his son would pass the test or not. He said, I'm not sure how he'll react. If his son fails and his son does get angry, then his son has violated Kibra Avaim. So I would be over I would be over the, the prohibition of uh, putting a stumbling block in the presence of, in, before the blind, even though literally that means a physical stumbling block, as we've discussed many times in the, in the rabbinic tradition. The main or one of the, one of the one of the main meanings of the pasuk is don't cause someone to sin. Rav Huna, the father, was causing potentially causing his son to sin. So how could he do that? So the Gemara says the machel He was mochel has covered. So even if his son would sin, he wouldn't actually be doing an avera. The father would see that he needs to work on his midas, but he wouldn't actually be doing an avera because the father was mochel on his covered. The Rishonim ask, what does it matter that the father was mochel on his covered? Assuming the son didn't know that, the son, the, the son, in his mind, he was sinning. In his mind, he'd be disrespecting his father. The fact is, the father privately was mochel. But if the son doesn't know that, then the son violates this rule of Neskavin Lechel Besar Chazir, Bala Biyadu Besar Tle. So again, the father should be over Lufneiver. So, two to to this question, Tosus and the Ritva. Tosus says, no, he actually told his son that he would be mochel as covered. How there would still be a test then, I'm not sure. But Tosa says he actually told his son. In Nukhanami, he told his son he was being mochel. Had he not told his son, it would have been usher to do this test because he'd be over lifneiver on the Isser of Neskaving Lechel Basar Chazir Valabiyadu Basar Tle. The Ritva says, no. Lifneiver, because it's not a specific prohibition about this case, it's just a broad spectrum prohibition against causing anyone to sin in all kinds of varieties of cases. We don't have to be so strict about it. We don't have to worry about lifneiver. On Miskavin Lechel Basar Chazir, Valabiyadu Basar Tle. All right. Lifneiver on an actualist where he actually does something wrong is a problem. Lifneiver, when it's only Miskavin Lechel Basar Chazir, is not, is not such a problem. This Machlokas comes up in the question I spoke about recently, I spoke about a while ago, 
about entrapment. If, 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 if a person wants to leave some valuables lying around in order to see if a worker or a family member is honest, he wants to leave a tempting wallet lying around and pretend he's not, he's not watching and see if the guy is going to pocket it, which, which, which is what some of Farshim explained what Yosef meant in the end of last week's parasha when he said that I, my, my goblet, uh, you took my goblet, uh, didn't you know, ki nachesh, nachesh, ishasher kamoni. Nichosh is from the word divine. Didn't you know it's a goblet that I divine with? Farshim had different shots in what that meant. Some say that Yosef was saying, did you really think you'd get away with it? Don't you know a man in my position with my resources, I have access to diviners and investigators. Didn't, didn't, you, didn't you realize I would catch you? But some say Yosef meant, he was telling them, you, you, you were foolish, you fell into my trap. I, I deliberately left the goblet out. I, I had my doubts about your integrity. I deliberately left the goblet out in order to see if you would steal it. So besides the fact that you, that you did wrong, morally wrong, you behaved foolishly. It, it, you, you didn't think to, it didn't occur to you that, I was, that, that it was a nichosh, it was a test. So the question is, are you actually allowed to do it? Yosef didn't do it. Yosef was making up a whole story. He framed them, actually, of course. But the question is, they were allowed to do that. Is a person allowed to, to deliberately put, a, put, a, put, put money out to see if somebody is honest? So the postcom of the last century or two actually debate this. Some say no. Some say that, according to Tosis, the answer is no. According to the Ritva, the answer maybe is yes. There's no lufnaiver on this coming. No, so the, the question is, you can be mochel. That, that you, you, you can avoid lufnaiver by saying, I'll be mochel. You won't put a lot of money in the wallet. He'll be mochel if he takes it. So, but again, but he thinks he's stealing. So that's in Skaving Lechel Basar Chazir. So according to Tosfus, that should be usher. Unless you tell him first that you're going to be mochel him, which is not usually going to be practical. Won't be much of a test if you tell him. Then uh, you can't do it. According to the Ritva, there's no lufnaiver on the Skaving Lechel Basar Chazir. There's more, there's more basis for leniency. So Post can debate. Post can disagree as to whether such a test is mutter or not. But in any event... Tosis's position is that that Lifneiver applies on the Skaving Lechel Basar Chazir, followed by the Basar Tle. The Ritva says that it doesn't. But the but again, getting back to the Archaim, the Archaim claims that the Archaim claims that the that if someone intended to harm his friend and turned out to, that he actually benefited him, he has no need for kapara even within Shemayim. The Achronim ask it's against this Gemara that says in Skaving Lechel Basar Chazir. Is need, need and kapara. So the klichemda, the klichemda in, 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 in deals with this question. Tamu and Ma'od, or Chaim is very difficult, he says, against the Gemara. In order to reconcile the Hasik as a tzaddik, in order to reconcile the Arachaim, to, 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 to avoid saying he missed the Gemara, he wants to say that there's a difference between mitzvahs beradun lamakam, mitzvahs beradun lachavero, mitzvahs between, between man and God. And mitzvahs the bradun lachaver. he says, we care about your intention. So even, that's where the Gemara says, eating chazer bradun lamakom. Even if you didn't eat the chazer, it turned out to be kosher food, a tla, a sheep. You ate mutton. Nevertheless, your intention matters as well. And if your intention was to was to do an iser, that matters as well. That's only bradun lamakom. When it comes to bradun lachaveru, we focus on the objective consequences of what of your actions. Not, not the, your intention. If the consequences were good, no harm, no foul, no kapar and slich at all. If the consequences were not good, then, 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 then you have an avera. It's interesting, because usually we say bradun l'chavero is, is stricter than bradun l'makom. Usually we say that every bradun l'chavero has two elements. It has bradun l'makom, you did an avera, terses don't steal, and you stole. Also, you harmed your friend. That's, that's why you have to do a regular tshuva. Plus, you have to ask mechila from your friend. 
Usually we say every Brazil Machaveru is at least as strict as Adam Lamakum because it has it has Brazil Machum in it. The Klikemda though is saying that from a certain perspective, Brazil Machaveru it can be more lenient. But Adam Lamakum intention matters, even if the objective fact is that you did not sin. Intention itself, by definition, is a sin. While Benadim L'Chaveiro, the Klechemda says, it does not work like that. Benadim L'Chaveiro, that's what the Arachayim is telling us, is teaching us, that if there is no, no intent, that if, that if there was no actual objective harm, intention does not matter. You don't need Slicha or Kapar. The Klechemda asks, from the Gemara we just read, the Gemara we just said is talking about Kibar Aveim. He, the Klechemda claims is Benadim L'Chaveiro. It's actually a matter of considerable debate. But the Klechemda claims that Benadim L'Chaveiro is considered between man and man, between a man and his parents. And yet, the Tosa said that Lefneiver applies it. That applies. The Ritz says it applies. The Ritz says no Lefneiver on that. But here the Rishonim are telling us, and the Skaven Lechel Basar Chazir, applies to Benadim L'Chaveiro as well. So he says... There's a difference. He says a subtle difference. He says, over there in the case of the Gemara, he really did not want his son to get angry. He was hoping so. We're not get angry. He's being mochel to avoid his son doing an Avera. But he really wants his son not to get angry. Therefore, even Radim Lechavera, we still say that, that you did it, and you intended to do it, and your father really didn't want you to do it. That's still some element of Avera. However, when the, when the person, Radim Lechavera, was very happy with what you did, turned out it was good for him, then he says the, the, the intention does not matter. If, if, the, if, if it actually turned out well, and in hindsight at least he's very happy with what you did, then the machshava doesn't matter. Yosef is very happy with, with his position, the way things ended up. Therefore, he says, in that, in that case at least, if it's Bran Lechavero, doesn't mind, if it's Bran Lechavero, and Lechavero doesn't mind, on the contrary, he's very happy, then he says there's, there's no issue at all. Okay, that's his defense of the Arachayim. In the Tshuva space, Yitzchak, or Yitzchak Shmelkis, he also raises this question. He raises this question, how can the Arachayim claim that a person who intended to cause harm and instead, uh, instead uh, benefited his friend, how could he say there's no kapara? It's against the Gemara. The mission says that, that they gave... Uh, that, that, that the mission says that the, the, the mission says you get Marcus Mardis, and the Gemara says that uh, the Gemara says that the that the, you don't need to and kapara. So the Beis Yitzchak says the difference is whether whether what it turned out actually happened was actually a mitzvah or was actually neutral. You intended to do an affair. You intended to cause harm. In the case where what you did was simply religiously neutral, morally neutral. That's where the Gemara says, Eating pig is Asr. Tle is neutral. It's not, it's not Asr, but it's not a mitzvah either. It's just a permitted act. So if your intention was bad, and the outcome was not good, it was just neutral, then we say that you need a kapara and slicha for your intention. But where the outcome was not just neutral, it was actually positive, you actually wound up doing a mitzvah, then he says you don't need any kapara or slicha at all. He says that the so in the case of Yosef, they actually caused him, they actually he actually they actually caused Yosef uh, to be in a good position. The case of the guy who meant who meant to give his friend poison, he actually gave him wine. He did him something good. He gave he gave him wine. So in the case where the outcome is not just bad but actually good, actually positive, that's where the Arachayim is saying no harm, no foul, no need for any slich of a kapara. But in a case where you intended bad and even the outcome, while not bad, is not good, it's just neutral. 
then he says that's where a person needs slicha and kapara. Rav Asher Weiss, a contemporary, deals with this question also. He brings these various terutzim. He's not really very happy with them, very happy with these, with these terutzim. He says, you know, some say the Shvatim didn't really do anything wrong at all. Some say the Shvatim had a... Uh, had, uh, had intentions that it was being done for them. They, they had reasons for doing what they did, legitimate reasons. On the other hand, that's not what the Pesachim says. Yosef says, you intended me harm, but Elakim chashav alatovit. So the way the Archaim explains, Yosef was acknowledging that they had bad intentions, but nevertheless, because the outcome was good, he didn't have to worry. So the, Yosef was clearly saying that even if your intentions were bad, you still don't need kapar and slicha because the outcome was good, according to the Archaim. And again, that's against the Gemara. So he says that uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't like these approaches of the Klechemda and the Beis Yitzchak. He says, really? He's saying it's, it's, it's a mitzvah to give your friend wine? I mean, what kind of mitzvah? He's an ani, it's daka, or he's sick and he needs wine, or it's bekiddish. What kind of mitzvah is that? Oh, it's nice to give people presents, it's nice to give people uh, little gifts and so on, but uh, is, is that really a mitzvah, he says? What's the svara, he says? If, if you need Slich and for a bad intention, if intentions count, what does it matter whether the outcome was neutral or good? You had a bad intention, you need a kapara and Slicha for that. So he's not really happy for not really happy with the Beis Yitzchak's approach. He brings the, the, the Beis Yitzchak's approach is also the approach of his Russia Weiss's Rebbe, the Klosenberger Rebbe in Divriyativ. He doesn't like it. He says maybe he, and then he brings the Klechemdas Chiluk that Bradul Chaver Lamakum. He says all these approaches are dochek. He says the Archaim is difficult. He says without he says not for the Archaim we would just say that if you intended to poison your friend you gave him wine, yes, you need Slich and Kapara. Absolutely, you need Slich and Kapara. And what did, uh, and, and even the Archaim, he says, the Archaim says he was telling them, don't worry about it. He was trying to say, it's not a major Avery, he says, uh, you need Slich and Kapara, but he was saying, you're not going to be punished as actual kidnappers, it, 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 it's much less serious, he says. And more than anything, it is an actual Avery, the, that you get Marcus Mardis for it. And, and his Lufnaiver, like Tosa said, so the, the real Avera. So the Archaim is difficult to understand. So we have, the, we have, this, they have this difficult Archaim, we have these various, uh, these various approaches to the Archaim. At the end of the day, the Pashtas is, like the Nazareth Kodesh said, like the like Russian wife says, the Pashtas is that if someone intends to cause his friend harm, instead benefits him, that is still an Avera, and he still needs, he still needs Slicha and Kapara. <coughs> okay. I came across a very interesting pair of chuvas on this topic, a, a discussion, a debate between two Rabbanim in Vilna, about a century, a century and a half ago. One was the famous Rabbi Shlomo Cohen, Rabbi Shlomo the Dayan of Vilna, one of the, one of the leading G'dalei Torah of Vilna. The other was a lesser-known figure, um, uh, uh, also a Rav, a Posik in Vilna, named Rabbi Chaim Sigalowitz. I have to admit, I've never heard of him before, but he's the, he's the author of a sefer called Makar Chaim, a small sefer, but quite an enjoyable one, all kinds of interesting shilas in there. So he had a debate with his better-known colleague, Rav Shlomo Akoin of Vilna. He had a debate about the following case. There was a man who had some kind of liquor establishment, and liquor, then as now, was regulated and licensed by the government. You, you had to pay appropriate taxes and you had to get the proper permits and otherwise your liquor was contraband. This guy, apparently his, by and large, his shop, the, at least on this particular day, had legitimate liquor, legal liquor. He had one bottle, though, of liquor that was actually, that was, actually was contraband. Now a fellow entered his shop and smashed the bottle. It's not clear why. Accident, deliberately, they got into a fight. Not sure what happened, but this fellow broke his bottle and spilled out the liquor. 
and they were still looking at the damage, they were still uh, taking in what happened, suddenly, right at that moment, a surprise inspection came from the, the, the government inspectors to inspect his shop, his establishment for bootleg liquor, for contraband liquor, and they couldn't find any. The only bottle that had been uh, bootleg had just been smashed. So they couldn't find any. Now, the law was, if they found your bootleg liquor, A, they would confiscate the bottle, B, you'd be fined a heavy fine, and uh, and uh, and it would be, it would be uh, you know it would be a uh, there, there there would be there would be there there would be serious consequences. So this guy, yes, he smashed his bottle of wine, but the bottle of wine would have been lost anyway had he not smashed it five minutes later. It would have been confiscated, and he would have been fined. So in hindsight, the guy did him a favor by smashing his wine. He didn't know that, and obviously they didn't know that. But that was the question. Can he, can he charge him? Can he charge him for the smashed bottle of wine? Or do we say that on the contrary, he did him a favor, he doesn't pay anything. So he brings various sugyas, Rabbi Sigalowitz deals with this question first. He brings various arguments from various Gemaras that he's not chayef. And he says, Mikra din is not chayef. However, he says, Bedine Shemayim, in Halacha and Choshemishpah, we distinguish between Dine Adam and Dine Shemayim. Dine Adam means what a court can enforce, an enforceable, most of Shulchan Aruch, concrete, enforceable obligations. There are certain cases, like grama, indirect harm, there are certain cases where even though it doesn't rise to the level of a chiyav b'dinei adam, yuchayav b'dinei shemayim. Says Rabbi Sigalowitz, in this case, a person has a chiyav, even though he's not chayav b'dinei adam, because the wine would have been confiscated anyway, on the contrary, he saved him money, he nevertheless has a chiyav b'dinei shemayim. How does he know? What's his, what's his basis for this? His basis is the Gemara Nazir, the Gemara Kedushin. Just like when it comes to Mnadon Lamakom, Neskavin Lechol Besar Chazir, Balabiyad Besar Tle, he has a need for Slichen Kapara. So to here, he doesn't agree with the Klechem Das Chilak, Mnadon Lamakom, Mnadon Lachavero. Even Mnadon Lachavero, he says the same thing applies. And not only do you need Slichen Kapara, you actually have a Chiyav Benin Shemayim to pay for the harm, quote unquote, harm that you, that you caused, even though it worked out for the best for your friend. Nevertheless, you have a Chiyav Benin Shemayim based on the Gemara and Nazar and Kedushin. Furthermore, he says, that's how we understand the story of Yosef. Contrary to the Arachayim, who says that Yosef was telling, he doesn't bring the Arachayim, but contrary to the Arachayim, who says that Yosef was telling his brothers, Elokim chashava latova, and therefore, there's nothing wrong, you're Zakayim and Paturim, even Medina Shemayim, the language of the Arachayim was, the Arachayim said, Harayim Paturim, Zakayim, Gam Medina Shemayim, says Rabbi Sigalowitz, just the opposite. What Yosef was telling them was, you do have a chiyah b'dini shemayim, you are culpable, but what Yosef meant was, they said, please forgive us, please don't punish us, please, please, we're at, we're at your, we're at, we're, we, you have us in your power now, please be merciful. Yosef told them, Altiro, don't be afraid, hasachas elokim ani, am I in the place of God? Elokim chashav So what Yosef was saying was, you had malevolent intentions, but Yosef was saying, that's not my job to punish you. Since objectively I was not harmed, there's no chiyah b'dini adam, there's a chiyah b'dini shemayim. Hatachas elokim ani. I'm not in the place of God. God may punish you for this. You need slichin kapara. But I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not, I'm not going to play God. Hatachas elokim ani. You have a moral, uh, you have a moral failing. You have to answer to God. But I'm not in the place of God. Since it's not a chiyah b'dini adam, I, not a chiyah b'dini adam, I am not going to punish you. You have no need to worry about me. You just have to uh, reconcile your conscience with God. 
That's how he understands. In this week's parsha, right? In this week's parsha, he just said, he just in this week's parsha, he just said, "Al teyatzvu v'al yichar be'inechem kilo mechiyah shlachani elokim." It's all it's all for the good. Ba'yishlachani elokim lofneichem lo atem shlachtemosi. It's all Hashem's plan. But right, he didn't say anything about takas elokim. Right? In Ba'yichi, he said takas elokim. That's when they were actually afraid of him. Apparently, that's when they that's when they were worried. And I guess they said. I mean, they might have been worried here also, yeah. So the, most of the Mepharshim, beginning with Archaim and the later Mepharshim, mostly deal with the Psukim in Vayechi. I was cheating a little bit by, by giving this share on this week's Parsha, because every time I read the Psukim, I think of the same thing. And, uh, but, but most of the discussion is about the Psukim in next week's Parsha. But yeah, but that, that's what Rabbi Segalowit says in the Makar Chaim. He says, that's what Yosef was saying. Yes, uh, I, you, do have a, uh, you, do have, you do need Slich of a Kapara, but that's between you and God. And I am not going to do anything to punish you for this. The, he, end, he ends, therefore, his tshuva, in his case, of the fellow who smashed the liquor bottle. He says, since he intended harm, that uh, any, any time in general, anyone who intended harm to his friend, but it turned out, it, it ended up being in his, in his, in his, actually in his, in, his, in, his, in his best interest, the halacha is, based on can't enforce a claim against you, but for Chaya B'dinei Shemayim. Rosh Lomu HaKohen disagreed. Rosh Lomu HaKohen said, in general, in such cases, you are Chayev, even B'dinei Adam. When a person intend, does an Avera, causes, does an Avera that causes harm to somebody else, even if it turned out for the best, we don't look at it like that. We look at the action in and of itself. If the action was an action of causing harm, you're Chayev. In the course of the Tshuva, he discusses, he says, Let, let's say you have a case where somebody kidnaps somebody else. That's a capital crime. Most you must. That was what the Romans said to the Malchus. Kidnapping is a capital offense. They, 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 they told him. So let's say a person kidnaps someone. Before Basin has a chance to, uh, to convict him, before Basin can do that, he says, he says that the, that before Adam even come to Basin, the person, like Yosef, actually uh, ended up on top. Through the kidnapping, he ended up in a very desirable position. He says, do you have any, any Havamina, he says, that, that the person is going to be, uh, is gonna be uh, exonerated, is going to be acquitted for a kidnapping? Chasmila Haskari says, that's preposterous. He did an Avera, that there is a capital offense. Basin doesn't, uh, Basin doesn't, uh, doesn't care whether the consequences were good or not. It's Pashat, he says, when it comes to doing Averas, Ibrahim Lachaverim, Lamakum, it doesn't matter. If a person does the Avera, that, that is the Avera that the Torah prohibited, it doesn't matter if the consequences were good. He's Chayev, even B'dinei Adam. Now, obviously, in the case where the fellow intended to eat Chazer, but didn't eat Chazer, he's certainly not Chayev B'dinei Adam. He only gets Marcus Mardus. But, but they're talking about cases where he did an act of Hezek. He smashed a, he smashed a bottle. He did kidnapping. That is the Avera the Torah defines. So even though it ultimately ended up being good in these types of cases, it ultimately ended up being for the best. It doesn't matter if Shlomo Cohen says, of course he's Chayev, of course Basin convicts him. And therefore, in general, you're chayav b'dinei adam, not just b'dinei shemayim. What about Yosef? What did Yosef mean when he said "takas alokim anochi"? Takas alokim. What he meant was, he said that, he said that the, he said this was before matan Torah. Before matan Torah, kidnapping was not osur, even though b'dinei noach, even ordinary theft is osur, certainly kidnapping. He says, but the, but the the shvatim Yaakov's sons. We're not considered Bnei Noach anymore, as per the famous discussion, the Parashas Drachim. So really, he says, that they were kind of in between. The Torah wasn't given yet, so there was no issue of kidnapping 
from the Torah that we have. The Bnei Noach issue of theft and kidnapping didn't apply because they weren't Bnei Noach. He takes the very curious position that they were kind of, in, they fell through the cracks, they were in between. What they did was not actually considered an Avera. It was morally an Avera, but, but it wasn't a formal crime that, that there was a Chiyah Bidei based in. And that's what Yosef meant. He meant it's a big Avera, but technically you didn't commit a crime. That's only because it's before Matan Torah, after Matan Torah. Of course it's a crime, like he says, if someone kidnaps someone and before they can punish the, the, the offender, the, the victim comes out uh, in a good position, of course you kill him, he says. There's nothing to talk about, he says. And in general, therefore, he says, a person commits an act that the act in and of itself was, was, was an act of harm, even though it turned out for the best, it doesn't matter. You're chayev, even within the Adam. Rabbi Shlomo Akain does entertain the possibility that when it comes to the, the din of Hezek specifically, he says, the Gavim Mazik, he says, the Chiyav is because of the Hefzid, so maybe you look at the, ultimately whether it was Hefzid or not, but other Averis, but even not the he says, we look at what you actually did. Mazik might be different. So in the case of the, of the barrel, of the, of the bottle of liquor, he's ultimately not sure. Rabbi Sigalowitz might be right that there might, there might be no Chiyav in the Adam. But in general, he says, Averis. When you do a concrete Avera, we don't look at the ultimate consequence. We look at what happened right now. Yosef was different because that was before Matan Torah. But of course, he says, if someone commits a crime like kidnapping, of course, it doesn't matter what happens later. We look at what happens right now. The Rabbi Sigalowitz himself wrote back to Rosh Hashanah and he says, I, I don't know, you think that's so posh? Do you say, Chasmi Lahasker? I'm not sure, he says. Maybe in a Chinami, maybe in a Chinami. If someone kidnaps somebody and before Basin can punish the offender, it turns out the victim... Uh, victim comes out on top maybe you don't kill him he says he says maybe you uh, maybe you don't kill him he talks about the question of well if it basically looks at the ultimate consequences why can't he do tshuva well, what, if the vic- what if the offender did tshuva basically doesn't listen to that he says that that's different because basically doesn't know tshuva's internal we've discussed this in the past as well why basically doesn't, doesn't accept tshuva when it comes to punishing people for crimes I'll call upon him this point, Kufa, they argued about Rabbi Shlomo HaKohen and Rechaim Segalowitz. They argued whether, whether if someone commits a crime like kidnapping where his intentions were bad and the crime in and of itself in, the immediate, in its narrow, immediate context was a crime, but ultimately he turned out to have benefited the victim. Rabbi Shlomo HaKohen says, Chayev, even Medina Adam, except maybe for the specific of era of Mazik, where Mazik, with the definition of Mazik, is to cause harm, there even he agrees that maybe we, we look at the ultimate, uh, the, the big picture, to decide whether it was harm or not. Rabbi Sigalowitz says no. Rabbi Sigalowitz's opinion is, means, means that the, that it means that when you intend to cause harm, but there was actually no harm, and at the end of the day there was no harm. So even though you still have the Nishimayim, not like the Arachayim, but the but uh, that's the machlokas they had in that's the they had in uh, in this case I saw a similar discussion in a contemporary work in the Sefer in the Sefer Mishpatei Torah right, Tzvi Shpitz, a Dayan in Eretz Yisrael it looks like he just constructed the case to be a kind of updated version of Rabbi Segalowitz's case his case was Someone runs an electronic shop. They sell electronics. And someone in his shop bumped into a fax machine. I guess this is an old chuva where they had such a thing as fax machines. It was worth a thousand shekel. He knocked it over and it smashed. But right then, just then, an inspector, a government inspector came into the store to make sure that all the taxes were properly paid. 
He, most of his stuff was properly paid up, but this machine he had not paid taxes for. Had they found the machine in his possession, they would have, uh, they would have, uh, he would have been fined. He would, he would have been fined, and he would have been sued. He would have been uh, a court case against him. So nice he benefited him. He says, Chayef, you're Chayef to pay for the facts. He rules like Roshlomo Akkoin, not like Rabbi Sigalowitz. He rules if it's a Chayef, even Medina Adam. He seems to ignore the fact that Roshlomo Akkoin is not sure when it comes to this specific din of Mazik. Mazik, even Roshlomo Akkoin may agree. We look at the ultimate question of did you cause him harm or not. He seems to think the acre of Roshlomo Akkoin is a Yuchayef. I'll call upon him. He talks about basically the same case, and he rules unequivocally Chayef. Hakonesh is a Chayef Lamocher. Avor hafak sheshiberlo. Okay. One final case along these lines that we'll discuss is a is a, a great case in the Sefer Shimru Mishpat. The Shimru Mishpat is by Rabbi Shlomo Zafrani, also a prominent Dayan in in uh, in, in Eretz Yisrael. He wrote. This is the first volume. I think he might have more than one volume out now. I, I love his Sefer. It's uh, he's a tremendous Talmud Chacham, like the Svardim Ofen are. But he, but he knows everything, but he writes very lucidly and very uh, engagingly. So he talks about the following case. This is, a, this is like a Zilberstein case, kind of, but uh, his analyses are often a little more down-to-earth. He says, his cases are a little more down-to-earth. He says, a car thief broke into a car, parked car, uh, to steal it. And he drove off with the car. In the course of his getting away with the car, he heard some noises from the back seat. He turned around and he saw that a baby, a child, had been forgotten in the car. The windows had been closed and the, fellow, the, the little fellow was suffering uh, respiratory distress. So the, the thief did the right thing. He immediately turned around and drove to Magindavar Adom and they were able to resuscitate the baby and restore him to health. Now in order to identify the parents of this baby, so the, the thief he told them that he was not actually the owner of the car, and they were able to use the, the car, the, the, through the car, they were able to track down the parents. So when the father was reunited with his, with his child, he thanked the Ganov for, for saving his child. However, he, he presented him with a bill for damaging the car. He had broken into the car. He said, you damaged my car. So he wanted him to pay for the car, pay for the damage he had caused. So... What's the halacha? So that's a very similar case to the ones we've been discussing. The God of intended harm and actually caused harm in a very narrow local sense, but in the bigger picture, he, he benefited the father greatly. He saved his, saved his, saved his son's life. Says Rabbi Zafrani, the, he thinks the halacha is that the fellow who broke into the car is putter for damaging the car. He has various, you know, he has various arguments for why. He, he, I, I think he doesn't approach it primarily through Arsuga, but, but he, uh, he argues that the Ganov is actually Potter, assuming there was no other way to save the child. He had to do this. There was no choice. This was necessary. Therefore, he says, we can't hold him responsible. The, we can't hold him responsible for the damage that he caused. He had to do it. I mean, had he seen the baby, he would have done the same thing. He would have smashed the car to get in. I don't know if it would have been possible to make a phone call. The baby was there. He could have not smashed the car and called Magin Dover Would there have been enough time to do that? I don't know. That, that's what everybody's friend says. He says, if there was no way to save the child without, the, without breaking into the car, then he's Potter. Again, so everybody's friend might agree that had there been other ways to save the child, even though it turned out that the Ghana didn't cause any harm, he didn't have to do this. Maybe, maybe he'd be Chayef. But this, but this is a very similar case. The, according to those, those postkin who said, that at the end of the day, if, if you benefited the person, not causing him any harm, there's no chiyah b'dini adam. 
then Lachara, that would apply to Rabbi case as well. According to the postkim, like the Binyan Shlomo, who say, if the act you did was an act of Hezek, we don't care about the long-term consequences, we don't care about the broader picture, we just care about the narrow act of what you did, then there'd be Malcolm to say that he'd be high for breaking into the car as well. The truth is, and this, may, this might be included in what Reza is saying, it might be that even the Binyan Shlomo would agree that there's no chiyav over here, because the whole discussion in the uh, Rabbi Segalowitz and the Binyan Shlomo and the case of Yosef, all those cases, what he did, at least their cases, Yosef and uh, the case of the fax machine and the liquor bottle, in all those cases, the act itself, at the time the act was perpetrated, was bad. There, there was no benefit. Based on what happened later, it turned out that things, things changed for the better. But at the time, it was an act of Hezek. Had we stopped right there, had we, without knowing the future, that would have been an act of Hezek, an act of kidnapping. In the case of Rabbi Zifrani, the child was already there when he broke into the car. Right now, the child is suffering and in danger of his life. So, at, right, right away, the, it's not, it's, he didn't know that, but that might be different. We might be able to argue that in a case where the act was already good from the get-go, even though I didn't know about it, maybe that case is different, I'm not sure. But I'll call upon him that there do seem to be major differences of opinion in these cases. In a case where you intended to cause somebody harm, but you actually benefited him, the Archaim says, no slichen kapara. Other posts can say, you do need slichen kapara. Some posts can distinguish, some, some mechabrim distinguish between whether the, whether the outcome was a mitzvah or the outcome was neutral. Some distinguish between Some say that there's no chiyabedine adam, but there's a chiyabedine shamayim. That, that, that's how Rasegalowitz understands the story of Yosef. Some say that in the case, unlike the case of Chazir, in the case when you committed an actual kidnapping, you'd be chayev even with the Adam, that's the position of Rav Shlomo Akkoyin of Vilna. And then you have the Shimon Mishpat who says that if, if that was the right thing to do, that wasn't your intention, but if there was no alternative and that had to be done, then your potter is certainly Bedini Adam and maybe even Bedini Shemayim. And presumably even Bedini Shemayim.